Assembly, there are two three-year seats available. We also welcome the mayoral candidates, for which there is obviously one seat available. And unfortunately, Glenn Thompson and Ian Michael Martin are unable to be here. They are both candidates for the borough assembly, though. <clears throat> All of the questions have been submitted by community members. Each candidate will be given either two minutes or one minute and 30 seconds, depending upon the question. For the candidates, you will see our timer holding up a yellow card when you have used half of your time and a red card when you should conclude. And as a reminder for the radio listeners, please say your name before answering every single question um, because we can't see your faces. Lastly, we will have some quick hit questions mixed into the forum, and they really only demand a quick response, so um, just keep those short and sweet. Those won't, we won't tell you if there's two minutes or one minute, it'll just be a quick answer. And thank you to KPU-TV and KTKN for airing this forum live. The Chamber appreciates their sponsors. It says to start at 12.15, and we're at 12.05, so there's a couple eating minutes in here. <laughs> Should we just go ahead and go? Okay, I'm like, we're streaming this. <laughs> All right. All right. So the following two minutes each. Thank you for your willingness to serve. Please tell us your name and one particular item about yourself that people more than likely are not aware of that lends to your ability to successfully serve. Um, I do have a written statement I'm going to start with, and when we do the questions, I'm going to start this way, go down, and then the next question, we will start with the following person who might be used to that by now. From Glenn Thompson, hello everyone, I wish I could be there with you in person today, however, I am currently unavailable on a trip that has been scheduled nearly a year in advance of my filing for assembly this year. I'm running for a fifth non-consecutive term on the borough assembly because I feel like this is a consequential time for our community, and I hope to bring my varied skills and experience to the hardworking team at the borough. I've managed and owned many businesses over my nearly 40-year career. I know what it is like to be an entrepreneur in both times of prosperity and times of hardship. The same is true for my experience in public service. When I was first elected to the assembly nearly 20 years ago, the borough wasn't in the best of shape. But what was true then is true now in both public and private sectors. Times of difficulty and hardship provide unique opportunities for unity and innovation. Our community is poised to reshape the uncertainty of the last couple of years into the foundation of a brighter future. We have seen just how resilient and innovative our community is. Promoting those ideals will carry us forward into a cooperative manner to make Ketchikan an even better place to live, a community that will thrive under any circumstances. Local government is effective and efficient when it is reflective of our community as a whole. We must be willing to consider every idea that is brought to the table, even if it isn't our own or is different than how we have always done things before. The best solutions are usually a combination of many ideas and centered in the middle. Local government exists to get things done. I'm running to help do just that. I would be honored to earn your vote on October 4th and once again serve you on the Borough Assembly. Thank you. From Glenn Thompson. We will begin with Austin Otis. This is two minutes. Hello, uh, I'm Austin Otis. I am born and raised here at Ketchikan. Uh, I'm finishing out my first term on the assembly. Um, I'm the young. I'm proud to be the youngest person on the assembly. I'm the only millennial currently serving. Uh, I my background is in uh, nonprofit work, where I work for Ketchikan Youth Court, which is a juvenile justice-based program, and I work in the hospitality industry slash tourism in uh, working for the Inn at Creek Street as an innkeeper. So that's kind of my background. Um, there's really three reasons why I'm running. 
I really want to continue our focus on affordable housing. I think we've made some great, great strides in the past three years since I've been on the Assembly. We were a little derailed from COVID. Um, I would characterize my term on the Assembly as the COVID years because four months after getting elected, the pandemic happened. So we've had to focus all of our energy and everything on that particular issue, and we're just coming back into refocus um, on some of the issues that we we're addressing. Um, I'd also like to have some input into some new park plans that are coming down the pipeline uh, with the skate park roof and uh, with the baseball fields. And lastly, um, kind of addressing the elephant in the room is the LEF um, and finding a, a, a solution for that um, deficit that we have there. So the LEF is the local education fund of people that don't. Yeah, that's all I have. Thank you. Josh Titus. Um, I uh, moved to Ketchikan 10 years ago uh, to, to uh, work as a nurse for Guardian Flight. Um, what I think um, equips me uh, to work on the assembly and, and represent Ketchikan well is, uh, like Austin, I'm, I'm relatively young. I've got three kids, um, and I work here in the community. And I feel, uh, and, and along with um, my uh, conservative um, mindset, um, I feel like uh, that that makes me able to represent a portion of the community that is underrepresented. Um, and uh, and so that's that's what I want to do. Okay, thank you. My name is Rodney Dial. I'm the current mayor of the Ketchikan Gateway Borough. Uh, just finishing up my sixth year of service to the community. Something you might not know about me, I guess, uh, um, of course, you do know my prior career with Alaska State Troopers. I spent about half of that in upper management. At one point, I was uh, assigned as the deputy commander of Sea Detachment, which is all of Western Alaska. I manage millions of dollars of resources, dozens of employees, troopers, dispatchers, facilities, cars, you name it. And then many years ago, I was actually transferred to Ketchikan to do the same thing. So I manage all patrol functions, essentially from Yakutat all the way to Matlakatla. We never had an unsolved murder. We never had uh, a budget that was not in balance, and I've, I've uh, focused on bringing those skills over to the borough to try to do what I can because I see us having some pretty big challenges ahead. Currently, we have a deficit in the local education fund of about $601,000. And as our finance slash uh, former finance director, currently uh, assistant manager, would tell you the gap to the cap, that point at which we are not supposed to go beyond, uh, is about another 867000 so we have about $1.4 million um, that we need to kind of find a way to acquire here probably in the next year because we have teacher contracts coming up, we have uh, teacher health care liabilities, and, of course, we have the deficit. So we have some challenges. And I think that, you know, experience pays off in that regard and having the ability to go out and advocate because we really need to bring in extra money to this community. We cannot raise taxes enough to pay our bills by ourselves. Uh, if we were to cover a $1.48 million tax increase, you'd be looking at about a 20% property tax increase. So we need to really bring in outside money. And one of the things that I've been able to do, am I over or is that it? Wrap, wrap up? Okay. So I just say one of the things that I've been able to do is uh, get a, appointed to several national boards, Public Land Steering Committee and the Secure Rule 
the World Action Caucus, and those will bring in a lot of money to catch camp. Thank you. All right. Hello. Uh, my name is Katie Parrott, and I'm running for uh, borough mayor. And um, I have uh, been coming to Ketchikan um, as a teenager. I have lived here for 20 years, most of my adult life. Um, and I live here with my husband, Jim. He's a charter captain in the community and a commercial diver. Um, and our three children, uh, my daughter, Grace, who just graduated from high school last year, and my son, Ruben, and then my younger son, Ian. Um, we are business owners in the community. Um, one thing that the community might not know is, uh, except some of the community members who were uh, my, my kids, uh, we used to be foster parents in the community. Um, I've worked in, uh, tribal, in the tribal government sector, in the public sector, and also in the private nonprofit. Um, I have a lot of experience coming from uh, those agencies in the community, from Community Connections, uh, Residential Youth Care, uh, Ketchikan Indian Community, and then my time with the school district. Uh, the reason that I'm running is because I was asked to, to have a different kind of choice of leadership and the kind of leadership that will bring the community together. Some of the issues we have at hand are our cost of living, housing availability and housing costs. Those are issues that are in front of the borough as well as education funding. And no one knows education funding and advocacy better than I do in this community. So thank you um, and I look forward to answering your question. A lot of women going on. Um, is, <laughs> this is gonna be a two minute question as well. What is the single most important issue facing Ketchikan and how would you help to address it if elected beginning with time? So for me, that's uh, cost of living and our reliance on, uh, on outside resources. Um, we need to, especially with, um, with the rise of inflation, um, we need to keep the cost of living low uh, here in town. And, and what that looks like to me um, is developing resources here in town um, so we're rest less reliant on outside sources. Uh, we're surrounded by food and building materials. Um, and yet we barge all that in. Um, so I would love to see uh, a way to um, get lumber from, from here in town, be able to certify that so it can be used on um, a permitted project. I'd love to see uh, more seafood available. I'd love to see more agriculture here in town. Um, so I think, uh, I think that those are, those are great things uh, for us to do. On top of that, we need to keep the cost of government low. We need to look uh, for an efficient government. We need, um, we need to look for new solutions for funding um, and not just uh, for increased taxpayer dollars. So I see the, the most pressing issue for borough government is a balanced budget and addressing our current deficit in the local education fund. As I indicated, that deficit is 601000 That's as of today. The gap to the cap, another 867000 So if you look at teacher health care liability, if you look at teacher contracts coming up, if you look at the current deficit, we're going to have a need to bring in millions of dollars into this community in the next couple of years. Um, education currently consumes $48 million of, of borough resources or more than $3,700 per citizen. And that $48 million is made up of uh, several different types of funding sources. 
But the reality is, is that we're going to have to be very creative in bringing extra money into the community because trying to pass on that level of tax increase uh, to the public is it's just going to be damaging to our economy. And to add that increase on top of inflation would be devastating to many families. So if we can, if we can get a balanced budget in order and if we can keep um, out of the pockets of the citizens as much as possible, that will support economic development, that will allow the borough uh, and our community to thrive, and it will not compound inflation or the problems that we are seeing with housing. So uh, I want to get our borough uh, affairs better in order so that we can really start addressing those issues. Thank you. All right. Um, so um, as I mentioned in my opening statement, uh, the three areas that uh, are, are so fundamentally important to encouraging economic development in the community and also encouraging people to come into our community and participate are cost of living, housing availability, housing costs. That, those are the top three for anyone considering staying in a community and relocating. So cost of living um, includes the cost of doing business. Our, our private businesses in the community are essentially the economic engine. We have to ensure that the cost of doing business is, is a good benefit to those businesses in the community. And I agree that we need to be mindful about the tax burden to our businesses as well. Um, uh, going along with that, one of the top issues is the local education fund uh, operating fund deficit. I believe a solution to that funding deficit is for the borough to allocate PILT funds, which are payment in lieu of taxes funds, to the LEF, which would solve that gap of around a million dollars moving forward. Then long term, the obligation for public education is a state funding obligation. And that's something that uh, we can assert a lot more uh, legislative advocacy in communicating with our, our uh, legislators and really pushing forward um, the, the obligation is at the state level. It's in the Constitution that the state provides for that, and there's been seven years, eight years now of flat funding, which equates essentially to a funding cut to the community. So I think we need to advocate for uh, the, the, the burden of the state's uh, uh, budget cannot come down on the local community, um, and that's something that I will advocate for. I like standing, so I want to stand. Um, I think the Katie stole kind of my thunder, but um, our our greatest threat, or our greatest challenge, um, and it's not insurmountable, is housing, 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 housing. Without housing, you can't have economic development. You can't have thriving schools and, and et cetera. So, to me, the borough needs to address what we have, and I think that's the elephant in the room, and that's housing. We've taken some small steps. Um, we're in the planning stages right now of new subdivisions and um, expanding some service areas, putting in new roads and utilities. Uh, the federal government, uh, through the CARES Act, gave us about $7 million that we were able to put into a housing fund. Uh, in the future, I'd like to see this as a rotating fund uh, to put new uh, roads and, and utilities into subdivisions, but also selling some of our land and putting it back into the fund, kind of a revolving uh, loan fund in, in, that, in that aspect. We've also been working on things like um, increasing the, the density of, of properties so we can have more lots on them. And we've also been looking into uh, maybe some kind of permitting process for Airbnbs. Not that we're thinking about limiting them, but in, in 
understanding that some of them don't pay sales tax, while the other half um, get away with not paying sales tax or paying sales tax. So those are kind of the, some of the things that are coming down the pipeline for the borough. And to uh, address the LEF, I do agree uh, the best option in front of the assembly currently is taking PILT, payment in lieu of taxes, which is money from the federal government that comes to the municipalities based on the land that they own around us and putting it into the LEF. Right now, I think that's the best option um, presented in front of us. So thank you. Okay, we are going to do a quick hit question right now. These are not time, but please keep it short and sweet. Name three local organizations or other things that you have been involved in, beginning with Rodney. Uh, so one that I've been involved in for years is FOAST, which is the Fraternal Order of Alaska State Troopers, and it provides um, uh, the concerts that you see in town, and we take and put all that money right back into the community. Um, I've also been involved in the local NRA and uh, shooting sports and pr uh, promoting and protecting the Second Amendment rights. And I've been involved in several nonprofits on kind of a local level. For example, I've helped rendezvous with uh, building planter boxes for the seniors. I provide um, and build little things for different um, events to for charities like baskets and those kind of things. So I try to stay involved in the community. And then finally, on top of that, I, I donate 20% of my borough salary every month to ship charity. All right. Um, as I previously mentioned, uh, one of the things that me and my husband uh, did uh, years ago was uh, we were foster parents. Um, that's a huge need in our community, and it, it gives us a different perspective. Um, I've long been very active in youth-serving organizations in the community, um, and part of the uh, resilience initiative uh, that kind of works toward uh, wellness initiatives uh, as a whole. Um, I'm also very active in my church. I'm the treasurer for the Ketchikan Nazarene, uh, Nazarene and have been on the board, um, as well as serving in an advisory capacity for several nonprofits. Yeah, so um, I have uh, been pretty active in my, in my church, uh, in various churches that we've been to in the last uh, 10 years, um, just engaged uh, completely. Uh, with all their community events. Um, additionally, I've uh, volunteered my time uh, at the Ketchikan High School. I help out in the auto shop there uh, with uh, some of the, the instruction for uh, diesel mechanics. And then um, just uh, various medical um, groups throughout the, uh, throughout the island, um, the health fair, um, just helping out with, with that sort of stuff. Um, and then I'm the, the treasurer for homeless association, so I don't know if that counts or not, but uh, it, it, it definitely stretches my, uh, my brain, so that's what I got. Uh, thank you. Um, so my background's in nonprofits, so I, I work for a nonprofit, so a lot of my background and what I do in volunteer is through nonprofits. Um, I currently play in the community, uh, Community Concert Band. The fun fact, I play drums, so um, that's a fun fact about me. Um, we're a small nonprofit. Uh, we do two or three uh, concerts a year. And I'm also uh, the elected the vice president of the Ketchikan Wellness Coalition. Um, so I've been on that program for about three years now. And then I have had the great honor uh, to become the uh, first city Rotary president. And I appreciate that organization as a charitable uh, group that builds stuff in the community. So that's kind of my... Uh, my nonprofit background. The next question will be a minute and 30 seconds each. 
beginning with Katie, what attributes and behaviors are essential for borough assembly members, and how do you react if an issue passes that you do not agree with? I love that question. That's such a great question. Um, I think uh, above all, a borough assembly uh, member or a mayor needs to listen to the community, needs to listen to the constituents. Um, and not just the constituents that uh, line up with your opinion. It has to be a representation of the full community, and that's really important to me. Um, I think that uh, the way that representatives democracy and governance works is that you make those decisions together and then the community moves forward. And there's a philosophy that um, I, I adhere to or I aspire to adhere to that's uh, around political friendship and that you develop relationships with people in a way that you can disagree, you can vote on the issue, and then you move forward together as a body after making a decision. And that you don't do the backbiting, you don't do the reflecting on, well, I wish this person would have done this. And, and, and that kind of dissension that really creates a rift. Um, everyone's elected to represent uh, their viewpoint, but also you know, the members of the community who elected them. And that work has to be done together as a body. Um, and so... I think respecting the process, um, the respecting the vote at the end of the day, even if you're in the minority, is so important. Um, and I, I feel like that's what I'll bring to the table. Uh, thank you. Um, so I think there are really three main important things. Um, could you just uh, restate the question real quick? What attributes and behaviors are essential for borough civil members and how do you react Okay. Um, so really the three issues here, um, I think being nonpartisan in your role, as you represent so many different people in the community with so many different backgrounds, we're all at large members. Um, so I think it's important. You can have your beliefs and values, but just understand that there's people that would disagree with you up there. So I think it's very important to put on a, a certain uh, character when you're there to to be representative of all the people in the community. Um, I also really like to establish friendships with other people on the assembly. I think it's important when you go out to lunch and coffee, it really breaks down some of the barriers or the political differences that you have. And um, last, lastly, when we bring certain uh, ordinance or legislation forward, it's important that you partner with certain assembly members when you have resolutions or things that you want to get done. Um, understanding the backgrounds of each assembly member, I think, is important and, and what attributes they can uh, contribute to what you want to pass them. Yeah, so I think it's important that uh, an assembly member be a good listener. Um, I think it's important that they have an open mind and be able to um, be able to work with people to find solutions that maybe aren't exactly uh, what they wanted uh, on you know the top of all their list, but but be able to work out um, a solution that, that works for everyone. Um, for uh, for Austin and uh, and Rodney, their their voting records out there. Um, I'm I'm new to this, and, and Katie's new to this. For me, it's important uh, for people to know that there are certain things that uh, that I'm not comfortable. I have certain principles that I'm not comfortable violating. I've I've been pretty outright with my Christianity. Um, there's certain principles to, with Christianity, and they're right there in the Bible if you want to know what I believe, um, that I'm just not willing to compromise with. I've also, um, I've also stated that I'm conservative, and that's, a, that's not partisan. That's a mindset. Um, it, it's, uh, it's 
lower taxes, less spending, controlled uh, controlled spending, um, less taxes. And so, so it's a mindset. It's not partisan. Um, and, and those are tools that I'll use uh, when I'm on the assembly, if I'm on the assembly. So for the radio, it's Rodney again. And attributes, uh, unfortunately, in, in modern-day society, you have to have tough skin. Um, you also have to have the ability to listen, just like uh, Katie said. You need integrity. You need a consistency in leadership. Uh, you need the ability to dedicate the time to the job and the position. You know, there may have been a time in our past when a ceremonial mayor was all we really needed as a community, but I would I would respectfully say that to you that probably sometime after the cruise ship or the uh, oat mill closed and we moved into the tourism economy, there are just so much so many different things that the mayor can be involved in on a daily basis to advocate for the community, to bring money into the community. And then, um, unfortunately, regarding, you know, that, that we should all be non-political, I would, I would love to sign a document that could say that we could all be non-political. But there are decisions that will come forward before the mayor and the assembly that are political if you say yes and if you say no. And sometimes not making a choice is a choice. So it's, it's not that any of us want those um, political things to come before us, but it's just a sign of the time, unfortunately. And I think um, the best that you can do is try to just be consistent and fair and as neutral as possible as a local government to try to eliminate and reduce the division. I'm going to throw it right back to you, Rodney. Um, for a minute and 30 seconds, this is just a mayoral question. How do you see your role as mayor? So I see my role as mayor as the chief advocate for the community. Um, like I said, there's certain things that um, a mayor can do that the borough manager and staff cannot do. So, for example, I've developed a relationship with the governor that's led to my appointment to three separate boards. Those are something that uh, borough staff couldn't do. Two of those boards required more than a year of work on my part. But the first two kept several state jobs in this community that were actually planned to be transferred out of this community. I'm currently on the third board as appointed by the governor, which is the 911 commission. I've been made chairman. Uh, the great thing about that is we get to put community projects into that report that will eventually go to the governor. These are all things that I couldn't accomplish if I had a day job. I also had over 200 COVID meetings during the pandemic could never have done that if I had a day job. So I see my role as to be out there on a daily basis talking to the developers and the contractors and the state officials and the congressional delegation and to work together to bring the money into this community that we need to thrive going forward. Thank you. Uh, this is Katie again for the radio. Um, so I, I have uh, spoken on this previously. Uh, the, the, I see the role of mayor as what is outlined in borough code. And what is outlined in borough code is as a, a ceremonial, nonpartisan facilitator of the borough's business, uh, being able to lead the meetings, being able to preside over those actions and to be able to operate within the form of government that's been established by borough code. And I will tell you that I'm extremely concerned about an approach that unilaterally decides on behalf of the community that we are going to uh, not operate under the strong manager role of government that we have. 
um, to unilaterally decide that we're going to now operate under a, a strong mayor form of government it goes outside of the process that's been established to make those decisions for our community. Um, I do believe that the role of mayor is, is very important to advocate for the community. Um, I am also on several boards relevant to one of the biggest issues that presents itself to our community to our community, which is education funding. I'm on the board of the Alaska Association of School Business Officials and on the education funding work group that is extremely um, active in legislative issues that come forward related to education funding. I intend to use uh, that experience um, to be able to benefit the community. And as far as uh, being able to operate in a way that gives a lot of time to the community, that is what I'm committing to when I ran for mayor. Um, I will commit all the time in the world to advocating for this community, and if we limit it to only people who can operate as a full-time employee of the borough, we are not operating in a representative democracy for our community. Thank you. For uh, one minute and 30 seconds, beginning with Austin. With the pressure of increased shipping, inflation, and supply chain issues, how do you think the borough could better support local businesses and encourage more people to shop locally? Well, I think the Chamber does a good job of that with the uh, art walk that we do. We're going to have one here, I think, October 7th, or maybe, yeah, October 7th. Um, but I think that the borough can... Uh, can you, I'm sorry, can you restate the question one more time? Sorry. With the pressure of increased shipping, yeah, so I kind of see this as kind of like an economic development question. Um, I know there's some uh, local companies that here that have sprung up uh, during the pandemic. We have some hydroponics, uh, Ketchikan Evergreens and the Outpost. And I also see uh, Mariculture as being um, part of our community as well, even though a lot of the farms are happening on Prince of Wales. Um, people like Forge and Found uh, are started up here in the community. So it's about, it's, it's, it's a multi-pronged uh, issue that we need to keep black taxes low in the community. That means utility rates. Um, these, things, these things make us competitive and have the advantage over other communities uh, in Southeast Alaska and, and, and in the United States. So to me, the borough plays a role um, since we do have the economic development powers uh, providing a, a stable economy, economy and bringing in federal dollars, like the money that we did, um, that we got from the Build Back Better program, a $49 million grant for mariculture in the area. So that's how I think that we can spur uh, economic development here in the community. Thank you. So, like Austin said, I think it's a multifaceted problem. Um, one way that, one problem that I see is, um, is coming out of the COVID years, uh, there was so much money available to people, um, and, uh, and, and that has hurt our workforce. I see help wanted signs um, in all the windows. Um, and, and so we need to find ways to get people to return to the workforce. Um, and, uh, and, and part of that might be ending some of these, um, some of these social programs. Um, and, uh, and and getting people back to work, um, and then uh, and then some of that is uh, lost my train of thought. Um, so so ending 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 some of the social programs, and then um, and then we need to help people get back into the workforce um, through education um, and uh, and um, doing um, 
I've lost the word, a vocational uh, stuff in our schools. Um, and so, so that would be one aspect that, of uh, the problem that I think we could work on. Okay, so increased self-sufficiency, that was actually the theme of my speech to the Southeast Conference last week. And, of course, you see this with the hydroponics, you see this with the fishing industry, you see this with uh, the people growing oysters, the mariculture. Um, you know, we also see this with food security. And so one of the things I've been doing with the governor over the last few months is working on a community emergency food supply, kind of like we, we used to have during the civil defense uh, years. And that's to protect this community if we wind up having some kind of interruption with our barge service. And if you've seen the recently uh, the recent release from the governor, we're actually working in that direction. So we're making progress on that. Of course, uh, self-sufficiency through low-cost electricity. I mean, look at the transition to electric vehicles that's already taking place in our community. Now, if we can provide that with low-cost hydropower, look at the the uh, fuel that we're displacing. And so the future is extremely bright in that region, and there's so many things that we can be involved in. But here's the thing. you got to have the time to get, dedicate to this, and that means the mayor, right? The mayor has to be out there advocating for this. Thank you. All right. So uh, in terms of uh, cost of living, cost of doing business, the government does not have all the answers on that one. However, the government can create an environment where economic development is, is uh, inspired, uh, can grow, um, and create uh, opportunities um, for new business and new kinds of economic growth and development. Um, but there are underlying issues that I think that we have to address. So in order to support a very healthy workforce in our community, we have to be able to work those mechanisms to providing a place for them to live. Um, and I think that that has been spoken of kind of ad nauseum in many of these um, these forums. Um, also, again, going back to keeping the cost of doing business as low as possible in terms of the, the burden on the community um, and making sure that in those areas that are very important to advocate for, that we're advocating for in, uh, appropriately and effectively, right? So uh, one of the things that um, I think is very important is making sure that there's plenty of, of uh, uh land that's being uh, put into the hands of private owners to be able to develop and to put, be put back on the market to make that work for the community, um, as well as ensuring that Borough Code is creating opportunity for um, uh, not suppressing new kinds of innovation in the community. I think that's really important to take a look at. Um, and so uh, last but not least, oh, I ran out of time. <laughs> Uh, we're doing pretty good, but a friendly reminder to please state your name before answering a question. Uh, people just tuning in probably don't know who's who. Um, beginning with Titus, as you, oh, for a minute and 30 seconds, as you may be aware, many local businesses are struggling with hiring quality employees due to the lack of available housing. How do you plan on helping to address the issue of housing in Ketchikan? And can you provide any ideas on how Ketchikan can further expedite the construction of housing to make more available land to build those houses? Yeah, Josh Titus. Um, I'm, uh, I'm not 100% sure what what powers or what, what uh, resources I'm going to have available to me uh, on the borough. 
Um, but uh, but I think I would think that um, we turning loose uh, land, uh, developing plots, and 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 turning uh, that land out uh, for people to build on um, would be would would help that problem. Um, like I said, I, uh, we're surrounded by building material. Um, if we can get uh, building material uh, here uh, available um, and have it be cheaper than than. Uh, than what we're what's available to us now, I, I think that that would be helpful. Um, I think. Uh, see, um, that's all I got. So the first thing we need to realize is that housing is a problem everywhere, not just here. Um, it seems like every time we take two steps forward, we take one step back. So we've got inflation issues, we've got supply chain issues, we've got the mortgage rates which are climbing. All of those things are working against us. The Assembly has worked together uh, in the last several months to have staff pursue three projects, uh, one on the extreme north end, one near Lighthouse, the other uh, south of town. And what I've been able to do to help support that is I've ha I have a working relationship with the governor that I've developed over the last several years. Uh, met him here uh, recently. We actually talked about these issues. He's supportive of putting extra land in the hand of the borough that we need for road realignment projects, which will help us open up some of these these areas. So we're, we're making progress. It's just slow, unfortunately. Yeah, so I, I think that some of the efforts Oh, my name. Thank you, <laughs> uh, Katie Parrott. Uh, some of the work that the borough is doing currently, um, as has been mentioned, is extremely important. I think it's on the, the right track um, in terms of uh, opening up those new subdivisions, uh, the, the ones that are, are north and then south. Um, and um, I also think that uh, some of the work that's been done to take a look at some of the zoning and the land use, um, and then, of course, as I had mentioned, opening up uh, some of that property to, to do some, get some economic development going, so some of the development of the property, getting those into people's hands to be able to open up more opportunities for housing. Um, I think that we need to take a really careful look when there's uh, proposals that are put forward to the Borough Assembly about how that impacts uh, uh, other property owners as a whole. Um, I think that there's, uh, there's many community members who um, are looking at different kinds of developments, but I think that we need to make sure that those are all working together to actually increase the housing market and impact the housing market so that those things are going to go back onto the market to provide um, the support there. Um, and then I think that in general, we need to create a, a, the kind of community that people will really desire to come to, that they really see this place as a place that provides for multiple quality of life for their families, um, that not just it's affordable, but they have a good school, you know, to send their kids to, and that there's opportunities for them so that their family can thrive. 